Hey everyone, welcome to the Heart Story Podcast. I'm here with Bill Santa, who's an amazing Akashic Records healer that I've worked with and known for quite some time. So today we're going to be talking about um, men and women, patterns, belief systems, and how things get ingrained from the very early onset of your life. So welcome, Bill, and love to hear any introduction that you'd like to bring into the podcast today. Well, thank you, Carolyn. Thank you, everybody out there who's listening. I really appreciate your being here today and um, lots of love to everyone. Um, yeah, relationships. There's uh, our great poet laureate, Jimmy Buffett, uh, who you may know is a great uh, folk singer, um, said that at one time I was listening to one of his records and saying, relationships, we have them. What do we do with them? You know, and it's that, you know, it's a real, um, I don't know what you want to call it, but it's just a, a fact of life. We have them. What do we do with them? How do we deal with them? And we're talking not only about relationships with others, but with ourselves and our relationship with the world, with plants, animals, you know, our environment uh, of our own self, of whatever you want to call God, creator energies. And so we are, we as humans, our relationship, you know, and, and we probably more unconsciously or subconsciously design our lives around relationship, but not knowing much about how we actually do design our relationships. And that's a really intriguing part that we, you know, we get married, we have all these relationships, we have children, we have pets, we have whatever, but we don't have any real background as to how or why we created these kind of relationships. And I think that's something that we can really explore here today, uh, both from a you know female male point of view, which are obviously going to be quite different, um, but also from a universal point of view. So yeah. this is really exciting. Thank you. I look forward to our conversation today. Yeah, very exciting. I'm excited to hear all the information. Um, and you mentioned that um, a guy, Bruce Lipton, who was the uh, father of epinology, am I saying that correctly? Epigenetics. Epigenetics, sorry, yeah. Okay, so tell me more about that. So Dr. Bruce Lipton is a cell cellular biologist. And for decades and decades, he studied the interactions, you know, the molecular interactions and so on, the chemical interactions of our cells, of our genes. And what he discovered over his time, and this is really uh, laid out quite beautifully in his 2005 book called The Biology of Belief, that we humans are not pre pro our genes are not pre-programmed necessarily. Like we don't have cancer genes or this gene or that gene, but that our genes, we are blueprints that are, you might say, redesigned by our environment. And what he talks about in his book and all, all the different webinars that I've seen him at and had the pleasure of actually meeting him a couple of years ago in a two-day seminar, uh, what he says is that from the third trimester of pregnancy to about age seven, the, the, the fetus, the baby, the child are all sponges for the environment. They absorb everything, the mother's energy, the father's energy the energy of you have siblings, of animals, of the family environment, of the environment outside the family. Um, and so we, as these little creatures, then create 
how we relate to the world, how we relate to ourselves, how we relate to mother, father, and so on during this time period. Then after age seven, we start growing and maturing and we, we become more and more of who we become, you know, through high school, through teenagers and so on, through puberty. But that's a real critical age of the, the, the third trimester to age seven is really crucial, you know, during in the womb. Like in my case, my mother told me much later that she was really depressed. Now, I don't know if that was a postmortem depression or depression leading into the pregnancy. Uh, she never told me and I never pursued it. So I don't really know. But throughout my life, I've had a low-grade depression that I could never figure out why I had this low-grade depression. Well, it came from that environment, you know, where my mother was depressed. And, you know, you know, so she was not emotionally available to me, you know, and probably during breastfeeding and who knows. Right. So that has a big impact upon how you relate and how men might relate to women or women relate to men. You know, it's all really complicated there, but that's a big factor. Oh, you know? yeah. What, yeah, what was the state of emotional maturity of the mother? You know, her age and so on, age 15, 16, 17, 18, a lot of immaturity there, um, instability and so on. And then you get the impact of um, drugs and alcohol and so on. I recently was working with a one-year-old baby who the court assigned to the grandmother because the mother was high on fentanyl throughout the whole pregnancy. And the baby was born addicted. So the baby had to go through a whole month of withdrawal. You can imagine what that's like, you know, just kind of popping out in the world and you're going through withdrawal. So I was working with the baby through the, the, the baby's Akashic records to help clear a lot of that energy of, um, addiction. Wow. That's amazing. Yeah, and, the, and what fentanyl would have on, you know, that impact of that drug would have on the baby itself. And so it's quite amazing. Uh, but you hear all the crack babies and this baby and that baby. Or, I mean, I've heard of babies being fed Coca-Cola in bottles, you know, the bottle feeding. Right. At a breast month, there was like Coca-Cola and stuff like that. You've got to be kidding me. So all that's going to have a big impact. Yeah, definitely. <laughs> you know, and, and the relationship between the mother and the father, and the baby and also it's really complicated interaction but that really formulates to me and what i've read through lipton and others you know that that is really the basis you know of how we uh, learn um our uh, our how to relate and also to relate to yourself which is to me most important called self-love and that's where we develop that self-love or not you know during that time period you know, so in my case, uh, to, you know, I been my mother was depressed. My father came out of World War II, and he was in the European conflict in the Army Air Force. You know, and the typical of men at that time, it was flat. There was no emotional outlet, you know, for to let that go. And so that there was that factor in there. And then um, my mother had a miscarriage at age two. Then I probably got into, oh, I must have caused something there, as babies tend to do. Right. It's my fault. And then she was angry at her gynecologist from what she told me. And then at age four, I had twin brothers, identical twin brothers that were born and they were sick and colicky for a couple of years. And so on and on and on it goes. So I've had to unlearn a lot of these patterns and behaviors that I had picked up as a baby. 
and I spent a lifetime, you know, working through a lot of that stuff. Uh, so I would, you know, become more mature adult and be able to relate, you know, to myself and, and to others in a more mature way, as opposed to what I learned as a child. Right. Because like the baby's just looking to the mother, primarily first the mother, for right. the response, the mirrored response. And if the mirrored response is depression, anxiety, she's not present, you know, then the baby probably feels very unloved mm -hmm. in that direct response. Yeah. Yeah, that then reflects later on in life. Then we, we create all these subconscious patterns. And one thing that, that Dr. Lipton talks quite a bit about is, is the whole subconscious. And the National Science Foundation has... Um, uncovered over a lot of different kinds of research that roughly 95% of our behaviors are subconscious. In other words, we're more like machines, you know, right. like the movie, the matrix, you know, and roughly 5%. But again, this is a generalization of our energy goes into actual creative um, thinking, acting, decision making, and so on. So typically we're not really creating a life that is, what you might call commensurate with our higher self. In other words, with our loving self, with our heart energy. Most of it is pre-programmed. If you believe in reincarnation, you've got all your past lives and you can imagine all the past lives, you go through the same thing. And, you know, from birthing and your mother relationships. And we know that the infant mortality was really high up until a couple hundred years ago. Um, and all, you know, the, the, the war is a constant warfare going on. You see some of that obviously today too, throughout the world. Um, and malnutrition, starvation, and, you know, major diseases, the Black Plagues and things like that. Um, all that stuff going on. So you can imagine we're carrying a lot of those kind of patterns that we're not even aware that we're carrying. Right. And that all, that all has a big impact also along with your birthing information and birthing uh, environment as to how you, how you create relationships. You know, what is divorce right now? Over 50% in this country? Right. You know, something like that. So, you know, sometimes I look at it like, oh, my God, how do we even create relationships? I mean, given all these factors and all our, the way we've been living and um, all the stuff that we're carrying with us. I mean, how do we even begin to relate? You know, it's, it's interesting. Yeah, I think also, too, even if, um, you know, you heal the pattern, you heal the wound to some degree, there's different layers of it deeper and deeper and deeper. When I was doing a lot of old abandonment work and I got as deep as I could into it, I saw that when I was an infant, my mom would just leave me crying. She was very non-present. She wasn't aware of me and um, I didn't feel taken care of. And I still carry those wounds into my adulthood of like, oh, am I going to be taken care of, you know? And the, the, even the deeper and deeper work, I can tell now, oh, this is a trigger. This is activated. This is from the past. Easily work through it and brush through it. But for quite a chunk of time, I had to keep reliving relationships or experiences where I was experiencing abandonment. It was like that wound space inside of me was magnetizing that to me to keep bringing it up to heal over and over and over again. Oh, Absolutely. Um, and that's actually, it's it's a gift in a way, but we don't tend to recognize that these patterns we're going through are actually gifts. Yeah. We, we look at them as 
painful as you know whatever but not typically as a gift for something to learn uh to grow with you know because they are patterns that are available to us to um to heal if you want to call it healing clearing you know however you want to label that uh, but for the most part, we don't. We want to go into blame, you know, blame the other person. They're wrong. They did this to me. Victim, 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 victim energy. And I see, you know, all the time and all the work I've done with the Akashic Records and past lives, you know, that the whole victim energy is just phenomenal. Blame, 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 victim, victim, victim. Oh, poor me. You know, and it just goes on like all the soap operas on TV, you know. Uh -huh. Um, and all that. So, and a lot of what we see on TV in the movies is perpetuating that drama. You, know, you see it over and over and over again. He said, she said, there, you know, oh, it goes on and on and on. It gets kind of tiring after a while. Yeah. Um, with that victim mentality, would that be from past life experiences or just be from usually what they've experienced in this lifetime or something that's kind of created from their mind? Well, I, I think it's really uh, many life, multiple lifetimes that we we repeat these patterns until we don't. Right. So if it comes up this lifetime, it's it's an opportunity for you to clear that pattern so it doesn't come back in the future. You know, when you're reborn again, you know, we've been around, you know, hundreds or thousands of lifetimes, whatever, right. both here and off world. We've been throughout the universe. Um, and so in a way, what's happening now and probably for the first time in history is that we more and more people have the opportunity to look at their their issues, you know, and there's more so much available for people to support them. Right. So modalities. And so you pick and choose what works best for you at the moment. You know, there's no one best, no one better than, you know, that's all getting into comparison, which is into duality, which is nonsense. You know, you, you pick, pick and choose what works for you. Right. And it does, it, everything that you hear over and over and over again, and all the modalities that we're talking about, whether it's, um, uh, you know, regular speaking, talking therapy or psychiatry and medications, alternative practices and so on, it's all comes down to love. You know, everything that you hear over and over and over again is it's really comes down to love and, and truly loving yourself. Yeah. It's not so much about what's out there. You know, mommy, daddy, my husband, wife, kids, gerbils, whatever the case, you know, it's really comes down and what I've seen over and over again, and all the work that I've done over these decades and with all thousands of sessions with people in the Kashuk Records is self-love. Right. And that really fundamentally determines how you relate to other people is how you first relate to yourself. Absolutely. That will change all your other relationships. Absolutely. And the more, the more that you love yourself, the more your relationships are going to change for the better. Yeah. Yeah. And like, when you say self-love, what do you, what exactly do you mean by that? <laughs> That's a good one. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. What do we mean by self-love? It's love is not a feeling or emotion. It's an energy. Mm-hmm. And we tend to want to equate love with some feeling gooey and, oh, my God, she's the best thing on earth. Or he's the, you know, oh, my God, I'm in love. And but that's not it. You know, that's a temporary kind of chemical hormone reaction. Um, there's self-love is such a deep seated satisfaction and joy with yourself just to be 
able to be present in your own skin and enjoy who you are. Yeah, absolutely. And that's accepting all your warts and all your foibles and, you know, the mistakes that you've made and decisions you've made and so on, you know, and that's not necessarily easy to do because we right. tend to want to blame ourselves. Oh, my God. That, why did I even think of that? Why did I marry her? Oh, my God. That was really dumb. You know, what was I thinking? Was I on drugs or whatever when I proposed? Um Deep self-acceptance, deep forgiveness. It's really yeah, forgiveness. That's a good point. Forgiveness, you know, and be able being able to forgive yourself in any situation because you know that you're doing the best you can at the moment. Right. Because that's really important right there, that you're doing the best you can in that particular moment. So there's no point in going backwards and say, you know, 10 years ago, I did this, and oh, that was really stupid and dumb, and, you know, that's who you were back then, and that's what you knew. Now, I, I'm not saying that this is easy. It's not. You know, it's it, we tend to easily fall into blame and shame and guilt and all that kind of stuff, uh, particularly if it's a major event, if there's some big consequence that, that happened. Um, but we have to really be careful um to allow forgiveness in otherwise we'll just perpetuate that old blame shame guilt you know that, that continuum that we've had for many 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 lifetimes yeah. so so many of us here this lifetime are here to clear you know our our past behaviors and to really open up you know who we truly are there's a great story i want to relate right now this, this actually took place in Thailand. It started a couple hundred years ago. And there was a monastery near the uh, Miramar, used to be called Burma's border. And they had this beautiful golden statue. Have you heard the story? No, no. So anyway, there was this beautiful, huge golden, made out of gold uh, layers and, and uh, inlay. Uh, and the monks got word that a neighboring tribe was on the warpath to either steal that Buddha or destroy the, you know, the, the monastery temple. So what they did to protect the Buddha was to plaster it in mud and plaster and so on, like maybe a foot thick. So it just looked like this gigantic Buddha statue, but it was just mud. So who would care about it? You know, I mean, just like, you know, big deal. And so whatever happened happened but nothing happened to the to the statue it, it remained caked over for hundreds of years until i think it was the 1950s or 60s that the it was still at the same monastery that they decided the, the monks decided they had to move that statue not knowing what was underneath it and so i think they had to use like a forklift it was so big and heavy to and by moving it it started to crack and one of the monks was looking and peeling away some of the, the mud plaster and discovered this gold underneath. And they wow. said, oh my God, what's going on? And so they started, you know, moving, removing all the, the mud and plaster. And lo and behold, there was this incredibly beautiful golden Buddha. In fact, I was um, leading a group, an Akashic Record group a couple of weeks ago. Um, and I do these all over the 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 mid-atlantic area and one of the women in the class said oh my god i was telling the same story i said and she said oh my god i was there i was just there a couple months ago and i actually saw the statue wow. and it was amazing well the whole point of the story that i'm using is as an analogy 
that we as humans are all that golden Buddha. Every human being, I don't care how quote unquote evil they might be acting. We are all the golden Buddhas, except we have all this mud and plaster that has built up to hide who we truly are. Absolutely. So the work that we do, like I do with the Akash, you do, others do, is to really uh, assist people. And I call it a collaboration. It's not me doing something to them, but a collaboration of removing, helping to remove that mud. So more and more of that golden Buddha, which you might equate to being self-love, shines. And that's the whole purpose of being human is to un to uncover that caking that we've done through this and many other lifetimes and through our you know childhood, our you know, pregnancies and whatever, to really reveal more and more and more of the of that golden Buddha. Absolutely. It's a it's actually um an, a long process too. It doesn't happen overnight. You know, you kind of have to chip at it and work the layers and do the things and keep working with what comes up for a minute. And then you start to see the glimmers of gold. Absolutely. And that's one thing that people have need to pay attention to. And in their own body of work, I see it so, so often that people say, well, why doesn't it happen like McDonald's version of clearing? Yeah. You know, like like that, you know, snap, you know, it should be cleared. And like one 15-minute session or one one-hour session should clear it all. Well, it doesn't. I mean, we've got lifetimes upon lifetimes upon lifetimes of all these layers of mud and, and plaster, that, using that analogy. And, it's, and if you were to release that all of a sudden, you would probably just explode. You couldn't handle yeah. that kind of energy. And I've heard that over and over and over again. Of you know, it's it, as you say, it, it's piecemeal. It's a little bit here, a little bit there. When you're ready, you go do this work, or you go do that work, or whatever. And your higher self is always there to help you reveal more and more and more. It's a partnership. Now we may forget about our higher self, but it is a partnership, and it is you. It's not like the higher self is out there and I'm here. And one of the things that we've all discovered is that we're energy first and physical second. But because we're in a physical body, we tend to put physical first and energy second. Right. Because, you know, we have our body and we like our body. We don't like our body. We're too skinny. We're too fat. We're too this. We're too that. And it goes on and 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 on. And all, you know, as a woman, you know, with all the layers, you know, and the industry, the beauty industry. Um, yeah, you can, sometimes it's exhausting. Yeah. <laughs> you know, but Another thing that made me think of this is like, as the work I've done, when you hit a deep pocket of pain or old trauma, and you really get in there and start doing the work, it can it can be painful. You know, oh. like you may have a few weeks of clearing from a big trauma pocket. Where at one point I felt angry for two weeks a couple of years back, and I'm like asking the shaman I'm like is this ever going to go away like this is bad I don't want to be in this state of angry I want to be in love you know but I had to get through the anger I couldn't bypass it I couldn't suppress it down anymore I had to feel it to transmute it to get on the other side of it which I was forever changed once I was on the other side of it but had to walk through it absolutely yeah, it's uh it can be painful there's things called energetic detoxification where when you start moving into higher energy levels, your body will start getting rid of lower dense energies. And it could happen through like flu-like symptoms. It's not COVID, it's not really the flu. 
uh, diarrhea, might see rashes or things like that. You're not sick. It's your body getting rid of these low dense energies that it doesn't, it's not resonating anymore with, with who you are. Right. And yeah, it can be painful. It can be a real pain in the butt. I've gone through this for decades now. I mean, it's like there's more and more and more just keeps coming up. I go, oh my God, this is a, this it ever end. Well, it's right. a, the people have to remember that it's a journey. Right. You know, it's not a one shot deal. Oh yeah, I had this wonderful one hour session with the shaman and blah, 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 blah. That's great and wonderful, but it's not the end point. Mm-hmm. You know, it's just a point on your journey, you know, and and, and that's one also people need to realize that as you work, you're not the same person you were when you made those decisions a long time ago. You're a very different person now. So mm-hmm. to go back there and, and blame yourself and not forgive, it's self-defeating. And who hurt, who gets hurt? You. Nobody else but you. Whoever the other person was that you're blaming or whatever, they don't care. I mean, they don't even know what's going on. But it's you holding on to that anger rage whatever is you're hurting yourself yeah the cancers can get activated in heart attacks and strokes and all that stuff Mm -hmm. absolutely and it's like also don't throw the baby out with the bathwater. you've had the experience to learn the lessons and then when you look back on that think of yourself with grace and take the lessons with you and move into the new phase yeah, and you're you you're a much more powerful, loving person then. Mm-hmm. Again, you're not who you were back then. You're not who you were when you made those decisions, you know, 5, 10, 15, 20, 30, 40 years ago or whatever. Yeah. You're a vastly different human being, and people really need to recognize that. Right. And how would you um say that men and women kind of choose each other or choose the patterns they get locked into and how to like work through that aspect? Yeah, well, that's an age-old question. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and it's, again, it goes back to your formative years. You know, how did you relate to your mother? Whether you're a female or male, you know, how did you relate to her? Was there a loving, open, kind relationship? Was it closed off? Was she available, not available? So all those kind of factors will will lead into the kind of people that you, you relate to. You know, why do some people relate to... Uh, others who are really dark, who have a lot of negative energy, dark energy. Why do others relate to those who are really loving and kind or something in between? So you start looking at that and you can almost kind of see patterns of how that person grew up. You know, what kind of environment did that person grow up in? Mm -hmm. Was their father really strict? Was there uh, abuse? You know, sexual abuse, physical abuse, emotional abuse. Was there not? Was there loving? Or was there like an alcoholic? Was there just up and down, up and down, up and down, up and down? Or did you have to become the parent because your parents were not capable of being parents? So you took that role. And I see that so often with alcoholics, you know, and adult children of alcoholics and so on. So, you know, was there a consistency or was there not a consistency? And so you'll tend to choose people that mirror a lot of those kind of behaviors that you grew up in. Right. And that's something to really be careful of. And then you'll get into, oh, blame, you know, she's this, she's that, or he's this, and he's you know, not that or whatever. I mean, how I many, God, I remember in my marriage, my then wife um, even told me, you know, why aren't you like my father? 
well, <laughs> duh, I'm not, you know, but she was kind of trying to recreate her father. And how many women do that yeah. to men that recreate their father or men recreating the mother or the women re recreating their mother, you know, and so on, so on and so forth. Mm -hmm. Women recreating the man as her mother. Right. And, and all that. And it's amazing what you hear. Uh, over and over and over again of what people are trying to recreate that they never got as a baby. Right, absolutely. In, in the other person. And so in that case, that's where the whole issue on self-love comes in because they're not truly loving themselves. They're expecting the other person to fulfill and you might say empty place inside and it doesn't work. It'll never work. Never, ever, ever, ever work. You'll always be unsatisfied. Absolutely. Speaking to that empty place, I um, wanted to see what you thought of the philosophy that all addictions stem from the mother wound in some aspect of not being nurtured. It doesn't necessarily have to be the mother, but like to mother that empty space or to nurture that space within themselves would kind of be able to self-love and cure the gap with the addiction. That could be part of it. I'm not sure that that's all of it because I've seen all too often that addictions are there to, to, for people to cover up really painful feelings. Right. You'd rather be numb by alcohol, drugs, sex, food, whatever, shopping, you know, just to fulfill a void that you feel inside of you. Mm -hmm. Also, just to not feel. I mean, when you're into heavy with alcohol and drugs, you don't feel. Right. So, it, yeah, it could be a combination of, of all that. Yeah. You know, it's a, it's a rather complicated thing. I, in my daytime work, I work in uh, Montgomery County here in, in Maryland um, in, with folks who have a significant mental illness. Mm -hmm. It's called a case management work, helping people get benefits and things like that. And I've had a lot of clients who are alcoholics or drug, addic drug addicts. And so often it was just to be numb. Yeah, they didn't even know that they that that that's that that sorry that that was why they were doing the drugs and alcohol. Right. But it was a cover because things that happened to them were so painful, and I've heard stories that that will make you just curl up in in, in shock right. of what parents can do to children, and the fact that these people are still alive really sometimes amazes me. The resiliency of being human, mm. kind of things that how horrible people can be to other people right you know and they're just that then then those parents are acting out all their trauma right from their trauma back to their trauma back to you know grandparents and on and on it goes they're just perpetuating and there hasn't been any healing done right you know so you know a lot of that again is if you can, if there's any way that you can sit back and say, oh, my God, I'm just you know, repeating these patterns over and over and over again. It's not easy to do. I mean, to get to not be alcoholic, to be sober is a really difficult and a real, a real challenge. Um, because you have to go to the underlying what's perpetuating this addiction. What's why is this addiction there in the first place? What are what are people trying to cover up? Yeah, exactly. That's the painful part that and a lot of people don't even know what the pain is. They just go through like in, in a numbness, a perpetual state of numbness. Yeah. You know, and you see that, you know, obviously with a lot of musicians and artists and so on. Yeah. Who are, people in one way or another have something they're kind of trying to fill a hole with. It yeah. seems, you know, some are worse than others, obviously. 
Yeah. But yeah. even with love, like a love addiction, trying to get your partner to fill that when really there's a hole inside of you that only you can tend to. Right. You know, and I was going to say too that you want to please, you want to be accepted by the other. Well, that's really going back to accepting yourself. Because you'll never, nobody can ever fulfill that need for you. Nobody. Or music or art or whatever will never be able to fulfill that. That you've got to do yourself within yourself. Yeah. You know, so that so you become more and more and more of your golden Buddha, what we call your true self. You know, and that's really the aim is to be is to reveal more of your golden Buddha, which you might call heart energy, you know, whatever you want to label that. Right. But I love that analogy of the golden Buddha. I love that. You know, and that's something to really strive for in whatever work you're doing is to open up to that goal. You are gold. We each are. It may not look like it. You look around the world and go, oh, my God, the, you know, the murders, the shootings, the warfare. But they all are golden Buddhas. Right. In process. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Well, anything you'd like to say before we wrap up today? Yeah, it's it's all possible. Uh-huh. Don't give up. What looks like it's insurmountable. Uh, I've seen way, way, way too many people really shine and glow, you know, as they reveal more and more of who they are, you know, and, and getting involved more within themselves and not so reliant upon others, you know, for approval, for love, for whatever you're looking for, you know. And you hear all these music, you know, the songs, you know, I'm looking for love and so on. And, well, that's nice, but it's not going to get you anywhere. Okay. And it really boils down to you and to you loving yourself, opening your heart to yourself. And obviously, you know, those close to you help and animals and pets and so on all help. Um, but it's really incumbent upon you to know and recognize that this is about you. It's not about them. And to drop the blame game and shame and guilt and, oh, my God, I did this and I did that and I'm bad, I'm wrong. Well, no, you were the best that you could do at the time and you're growing. Mm -hmm. you know, so love yourself, guys. Just love, love, love yourself. That's all I can say. Yeah, I love that. Really about love. It's like keep cultivating that relationship with loving yourself layer after layer. And then you're chipping away to your golden Buddha. Yeah. Mm -hmm. Yeah, let your golden Buddha shine. Mm -hmm. And people will recognize that. You know, as you allow your inner beauty shine, you become more beautiful. Yeah. One of the things I've noticed, like I do a lot of these groups and you see a lot of people coming in uh, kind of gray, ashen, you know, just life is just really compressed upon them. And really, it's about releasing stress. Yeah. Aging has a lot to do with just stress and all the stress that we pile up from everything. And it's amazing to see the faces of people as they leave when they're released all this kind of stress within the group or individual context. And I'm sure you've seen it too in your work. And the enormity of the beauty. And I've told people, go look in a mirror. You know, you are not the same person that walked in here. Wow. You know, gray and ashen and all that. And now the, the blood's flowing, the beauty is shining. And I call it a cheap facelift. No, yeah, nice. Instead of getting cut for 10, 20,000 bucks, you know, it's just releasing stress in whatever way you do that. You can do it through meditation, yoga, Pilates, standing on your head, petting your dog, whatever. 
you know, but it's releasing that stress and your beauty shines. Mm -hmm. It's amazing to see how people transform that way. Yeah, absolutely. I can 100% agree with you. Once you let the stress and the fear and the release all the cortisol, you're definitely yeah. going to shine. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's, it's, you know, we are amazingly beautiful human beings. We are, and we forget that. You know, we forget that we are love. And if you listen to what's called channeling, all these different energies coming through, you know, you listen to uh, the channel energies of Jesus and the Christ consciousness. You say, look, at the bottom line is love. I don't right. care what you're doing. The bottom line, period, is love. Absolutely. It's not an emotion. It's not a feeling. It's just an energy of who we truly are. We are love. Mm -hmm. So I would say just love yourself. Yeah, I love that. Keep practicing at that relationship every single day. Yeah, absolutely. Whatever modality you use or go for a walk, hug a tree, yoga, meditation, it doesn't matter. You know, whatever works for you. Or all of them. Or all of them. Yeah. <laughs> There's no one thing, you know. Yeah, absolutely. All right. Well, thank you so much, Bill. It was a pleasure to have you on as always. And looking forward to have you on for another podcast in the future. We have so much we can chat about. You have so much great information, great insights. Absolutely. I look forward to it. Thank you so much, Carolyn. And thank you for all those out there listening. I so appreciate you and thank you and love you. So you all take care. Thank you. And we'll have um, Bill's website underneath this podcast as well for anyone who's interested in. Um, he could do remote Akashic record sessions for anyone. Right. Thank you, Carolyn. Okay. Have a great day. Okay. You too. Bye, everybody.